Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And we're back in the studio. We're really excited. We're bringing you a Not Just WrestleManias edition of the podcast this time. We're actually going to look at a American Wrestling Association, AWA, event from 1986. It's WrestleRock 86, coming to us from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we found the card for this online, and it is a doozy. So we thought it would be a lot of fun to dip into an AWA. Rich, I'm not you. The one you're the one who sent me this um, card. How did you come across? this one uh so i came across the show doing some extra research on sergeant slaughter ah. and suddenly i came across this uh show with uh slaughter fighting kamala the ugandan giant and then i was like oh well there's nick bockwinkle on this one Vern gagne's on this one uh his kid greg is on here uh this this uh sherry sensational sherry's on the card barry windham and mike rotunda's on here there's uh harley race and rick martell like i couldn't i couldn't look away and then also a young scott hall and a young kurt hennig tag partnering the show had everything and i was immediately like oh we gotta we gotta put this one in the list here (laughs) yeah the card is incredible i couldn't believe it when he said it to me so we won't spoil anything there but it's um yeah it's worth Definitely worth a watch, and and we're glad we get the chance to talk about it. Just a little bit of uh, other wrestling news before we get started on this show. Uh, Rich and I had a chance to go to the AEW show, Dynamite and Rampage, just this past Wednesday night at the UMBC Event Center just outside of Baltimore. It's a very long experience if you haven't done that. They actually start matches at like 7 for the YouTube and Dark uh, Dark, what is it called these days? Dark Elevation. Uh, yeah, Dark Elevation. Uh, and then... They go right into the main Dynamite show at 8, and then you stick around, and they, in our case, they cut an extra YouTube match in between, and then there's the Friday Night Rampage show, which they also shoot at the same time. What did you think of that event? You got a lot of bang for your money. You got you got a lot of bang for your buck there. Um, it was fantastic. I had a great time. Ray Phoenix and Dante Martin just stole that show completely. There's nothing close to how good they were. Uh, anywhere else in that card that night um yeah i had a great time it was kind of sad that like it was 11 30 at night we we're all exhausted and we're leaving and there was still another match to happen and it was going to be jay lethal but you know i was tired you were tired we had a 40 minute drive back home we're done <laughs> yeah that's a lot of wrestling for one night no matter how much you like wrestling i had to go to work the next day my wife had to has to get up way earlier than i do she was very accommodating accommodating and went along and uh and hung out for the whole thing i agree that ray phoenix and dante martin match was absolutely the match of the night um a couple of other highlights for me i really liked seeing keith lee uh i like him and swerve together that was pretty cool um no ftr on the show so that's always a bummer um cm punk was uh, out of town so was sammy guevara so some of the you know usual guy. oh no no eddie kingston we had to watch multiple chris jericho segments so that was kind of that wasn't great but there was no but uh, he did actually say that he wasn't going to use the uh judas song anymore which <laughs> i cheer for that God, i hope <laughs> that's true i told my wife we weren't allowed to, to sing along to the judas song because chris jericho is a heel i don't understand why we're singing his song we should be booing him when he comes out, not singing his stupid ass Fozzie, uh, lame ass metal song. Fuck Fozzie. Fuck Chris Jericho. 
Okay. Your Sorry. album sucks. Yeah, your album sucks. There was a good Fozzy sucks chant, um, which I appreciated. Yeah, and uh, uh, F Jimmy Seafood. <laughs> yeah. So section two hundred seven was was lit. I don't know. Um, some pre gaming going on. Uh, people were had strong opinions about a Baltimore restaurant Jimmy Seafood. I don't know why they were chanting that. I assume they had good reasons. Um, yeah, the only thing I can I could think of, I told you in the car, was that like FTR and Adam Cole were doing a fundraising thing at that restaurant the night before, and perhaps these guys got intimate and up close with the bouncer that night. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe they had an unsatisfactory um, experience there. Crab cakes are cold or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they for, they forgot the tartar sauce. God damn it! So anyway, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we got a chance to do that. It was pretty close to sold out. Um, it was advertised as sold out. There were some seats here and there, but it was it was pretty packed. Yeah, it was the most crowded we've ever been to any event there. I mean, most of the stuff that we've gone there for has been what Ring of Honor. So it was exciting to be there for AEW, which is a much bigger promotion now and uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. All right, are we ready to talk Wrestle Rock '86? Oh yes, I am. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is Holy April twentieth, nineteen eighty-six, from Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome in Minneapolis. Attendance is around twenty-three thousand. So this was a uh, you know what they used to call a supercard event for the AWA. It wasn't a pay-per-view exactly or at all. We'll we'll talk a little bit about what exactly nope. this was because we can't quite figure it out. Um, but it was definitely sort of their attempt to kind of follow up on things like the Crockett Cup and WrestleMania, obviously, and kind of cash in on that big, you know, supercard craze. Um, and the most important, absolutely essential backstory for this particular event is that they released a video and it's on the YouTubes <laughs> and it is called the Wrestle Rock Rumble. And it is a... I'm going to put in quotation marks rap um, with it is an uh, 80s white person rap. Yeah. With various stars of the AWA, each contributing a verse. And it is a thing to behold. I mean, the best verse in there is rapped by Larry Zabisco. <laughs> yes, I just said Larry Zabisco raps. Noted rapper Larry Zabisco. Uh, the worst in there is Vern Gagne, who's literally reading his lines off of the script and on camera with his reading glasses on at the tip of his nose so he can read them properly. Jerry Blackwell's rap is also bad, but I'm not going to hammer on that one because right before we started recording this, I watched a video of Scott Hall watching this video. And when they got the Blackwell... Scott mentions that Blackwell couldn't read. Oh, wow. And so he couldn't actually read the lines and they had to keep telling them to him and he was getting frustrated and the engineers didn't understand what was happening. And so Scott and a few of the other guys had to step in and tell the engineers, just, just go with what he says and move on because he's, he can't read and we don't want you making him feel bad about it. Oh man, that's really... That's really sad and also kind of sweet. Yeah, well, so we won't we won't rag on that at all. Yeah, um, don't pick on him. But everybody else in this video is fair game. Absolutely, we can put Sorry. this up on the um, yeah. on the website in the media <laughs> section because if we had to watch it, you guys have to watch it too. I think it's it's only fair. Yeah, for some reason, there's these like interludes in between the verses of 
Las Vegas acts like there's like some showgirls from like the Playboy Las Vegas show and there's an Elvis impersonator from the Elvis Vegas show but the show's in Min- Minneapolis <laughs> yeah Vegas has nothing to do with this show uh, I don't understand and this video apparently was the commercial for this event that aired on ESPN oh really oh, yeah I hadn't caught that part well that would make me want to tune in for sure I mean, rap was hitting it. Rap was hitting it big in 1986. You know, we we need to capitalize. We need. We got to move. You got these Run DMC guys out here, and they're rapping about their shoes. It's time to, you know, time to get wrestling in on this act. Yeah, I mean, every single verse is, "I'm such and such wrestler, and I'm here to say, da 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 da," and like, and then like everybody is missing the beat except for Larry Zabisco. He is keyed in. Um, yeah. It's spectacular. Well, and every couplet ends with um, the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Huh! <laughs> you get to see how many times, how many words they can come up to to rhyme with Rumble. And yeah, um, spoiler alert: there's there's not that many no options. There, so. Every single one of them features a grunt. Um, <laughs> and keep your eyes peeled in it. There's a super young Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty in it. Yeah. Sean's both of Sean's eyes are actually going in the same direction. That's how you know how old this is. So, yeah, um, been kicked by the mule yet? <laughs> it's well worth your time. We uh, we got a kick out of it. If if we hadn't already been into this event, like we would have watched that Russell Rock Rumble and be like, oh yeah, we're adding this to the list. Um. So all right. So we're in. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm a little. I'm a little disheveled here. Um, the show so is a, such a shit show. It's really hard to get yeah. into it. We're in Minneapolis. Um, we start with a over audio overlay of the Star Spangled Banner. Um, there's there's definitely some production difficulties up front. Um, yeah. So the very first thing you <laughs> see the moment you start the program on the Peacock is this a shaky cam trying to pan across. The, the audience but i think the the camera operator sneezed or something and they just said we're going with it keep it uh and then we get this lovely young lady singing the national anthem who doesn't know the lyrics to the national anthem the biggest notice is that she says through the perilous flight <laughs> instead of perilous fight um and it's very clear that she is reading the jumbotron that is projecting the lyrics to the uh, national anthem is very clear that she is staring at them and there's a very weird smooth jazz accompaniment yeah to the national <laughs> anthem like it'd just be like oh say can you see <laughs> like like and it was just it's very distracting it's very bad it is one of the worst national anthem performances i've heard and that's in the category with roseanne did I ever tell you about the boxing event we, we went to where they, uh, it was a college boxing event. And so they pulled one of the, the college student boxers out to sing it. And she didn't also didn't know the words and she know. sang, uh, so gallantly screaming, um, yes. during that part. <laughs> I, yes. I, I think about that a lot. Um, yes. It's I a mean, metal version. Metal yeah. version of the twilight's last creamy. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Not happening. Yeah, well, we cream the national anthem here, boy. Woo! <laughs> um, anything else on the intro before we get to the first match? 
No, there there was a promo before the match too, and like the camera isn't actually focused on the promo that's happening. You can also hear a fan scream, "Up yours, Ken!" <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Ken! God damn it, Ken! Up yours. Uh, so the show is very unceremoniously like it's more like we're watching like they taped this for the wrestlers to watch back for practice as opposed to any kind of like purchasable yeah retail kind of thing there's um the production values on this it's like negative 50 dollars. like if you um if you produced it you actually owed them money right so it's in the metrodome there's no need for it to be in the metrodome like (laughs) it's nowhere close to full and they've actually put a riser of of bleachers on the field to contain the event into one area yeah i this is this is Oh my God, this is a shit show, and no wonder AWA did not survive. <laughs> it's too bad. It's too bad. They should have kept putting out quality content like this. So, the first match on the card is Brad Rangans, um, who I don't know anything about at all, and I'm sorry. Uh, apparently, he's a, uh, you know, sort of an Olympic or collegiate wrestler. So, he's got, you know, coming in with that sort of cred versus Boris Zhukov, who is, you know, sort of legendary. You know, he, if you remember later in the WWF, he had a run with uh, Nikolai Volkov. They were the Bolsheviks, you know, very creative. Um, he's got a hammer and sickle like painted on his forehead, like he's Zangief from uh, Street Fighter, which I appreciated. He is your stereotypical standard Russian heel. Um, I guess every wrestling promotion needed to have one, and he is theirs. Uh, and he does, you know, wrestling heel stuff. I actually didn't really have anything to say about this particular match. Um, but I know that, you know, he was around for, for quite a while. He had a, a pretty good career. Yeah. Um, I didn't note much about this match either, just because it was weird. And like the Brad's claim to fame that they kept pushing was that he's a wrestling coach. <laughs> not a wrestler but a wrestling coach um the camera angle is immediately weird so like the camera is at like the level of the ring so it's kind of difficult to to see what's happening sometimes uh the announcer at one point goes uh-oh with the boot <laughs> uh-oh and like it's very clear that they're also trying to aim the camera in such a way so you don't see how few people are there, but they're failing because I mean this this show is a really long show and uh, the crowd isn't there yet. Uh, this is this is like the opening 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 act. Yeah, it's broad daylight. Yeah, and you also notice you also notice that there is no rail between the crowd and ringside. <laughs> Uh, that's a lot of trust. <laughs> well, maybe, um, you know, it's mini, it's Minnesota. People are, it's that, uh, that Midwest nice, right? Everybody's so nice there. Maybe they just, they weren't, they weren't the type to come out and stab a wrestler. I don't know. Yeah, I guess not. Or maybe they uh, figured they wouldn't need it for like the 50 people in attendance. No. Brad wins this match with a, what it is called a power slam suplex. Oh, suplex. <laughs> So we're back in the days of where they're calling suplexes suplexes sometimes. Um, and it's a really rough looking throw. It was very impressive. Yeah. And ringside, there's a fan in a suit that is talking to the sheik who accompanied Boris to the ring. And I'm pretty certain that you can hear the sheik very softly tell them to F off. 
I'll have to watch that again. So you, know, you catch all the good stuff. I yeah. I feel like I watch these things much more superficially than you do. I can't. I can't yeah. watch the match. The match. Whatever. These. I don't know who these people are. Yeah. I want to. I want to hear Ken be told to up yours, and I want to see the sheep <laughs> tell people to curse off, and I want. I want the really bad commentary because the commentary in this thing is epically bad. It's for terrible. A very long time. It finally gets better about what halfway through the show when finally the com the uh, announcer gets a color commentary guy to kind of bounce things off of otherwise most of the time he's just going oh uh oh ooh <laughs> well, uh, your <laughs> your kid could do that your 2 year old could be like right. uh oh <laughs> right pretty much and it'll be cuter people will love it more yeah that'd be hilarious actually we should do a we should do a cut we should take one of these matches and get you know Get the kid doing the commentary. Yeah. Next up, we've got a little person tag team match. Um, little Mr. T and Cowboy Lang on the one side versus Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo on the other side. So I will point out that two of these guys had a starring role in WrestleMania 2 in a match with Hillbilly Jim and King Kong Bundy. Um, so Lord Littlebrook and Little Tokyo are both, I mean, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Not yeah. Crack a, <laughs> crack a joke on them. I don't want to, actually, I don't, I don't want to make little people jokes because honestly, no. like, these guys fucking work, man. Like, Yeah, this the, match is one of the best matches on the card. It really is. And the crowd is kind of like sitting back like laughing at it because it's you know whatever it's uh, midget wrestling but like they're like uh, i you know i legit enjoyed this match yeah first of all cowboy lang is an absolute unit did you see how ripped that guy was yes oh my god and he was just like picking people up and throwing them um and little mr t i'm he was just killing me through this whole match i uh yeah there was there was some like real mat work happening Yep. Uh, and like there was an impressive like headlock uh, uh, and like resistance of breaking out of the headlock uh, s- uh, spots. Um, they were really working. There was only a couple moments to where they they did like the little gimmicky thing. Like at one point, they all turned on the ref and attacked the ref. But like I think the ref wasn't even like a real ref. He was like a DJ from a radio station or something like that. Mm, but like yeah. he was doing a decent job still. They let this match go for 10 minutes. Yeah. So, I mean, they're legitimately working if they let this kind of match go for 10 minutes. At this point, WWF would have five matches in that 10-minute time. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the announcer says, big or small, the AWA has it all. Lame. <laughs> and I really got a kick out of Lord Littlebrook wearing an Andre singlet. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. That guy has a fascinating career. Um, I remember reading some stuff about him when we did our WrestleMania two blog post. Um, and he was, he was around for a long time and he's a bunch of hall of fames. Like, um, so look him up if you get a chance. He is a really interesting guy. Um, they do. Yeah. They do a couple of like the little, you know, the goofy, like crawling through the ref's legs and they wrap it up with like a four way figure four, like the, the middle row, 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 row your boat thing. Yeah. The men in a rowboat that, thing. You know. Um, so, but there's a, there's a legit amount of skill. Actually, I don't remember who won. Or did it end in a sort of a? Uh, it was uh, Little Mister T and Cowboy Lang won won okay. this one. Yeah, so the faces walked out with the win. But I mean, everybody wins with this match. This match, <laughs> you, I mean, it's very tempting, like to tell you in these in these days to fast forward a match like this because it's a bit exploitive. But 
these guys worked a real match and i i've suddenly had a lot more respect for the presentation that awa was giving us because they actually let these guys work a real match and then just tell them to go out there and be silly beat up the ref somebody get a pin and get out of there in 30 seconds like they they gave them 10 minutes and they worked a real match and they showed some real skills and took some real bumps and did some real holds and it was a very impressive match and probably in the top three of the matches on the card for this night. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. They're they're legit athletes. So good job, guys. Next up was Colonel De Beers versus Wahoo McDaniel. So Colonel De Beers whole whole gimmick is he's uh he's a colonel. He's pro apartheid. He's, he's from South Africa. He's got the the evil villain mustache. He's got the beret. The announcer very uh, ominously in tones, you know, as we're starting here, he says he believes in apartheid. He believes in white supremacy. He has no time for minorities. He says he has no time for minorities several times during the <laughs> the course of this match. And of, and, oh, and he continues. He says, and of course, Wahoo McDaniel is a full blooded Indian. So we've. We've laid it out here for you. <laughs> McDaniel is definitely a, a traditional Choctaw name. Oh yeah, way <laughs> way back. But he is of 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 Native American descent, so I won't pick on him too much. But yeah, he's Choctaw and Chickasaw, I believe. Yeah, can you believe <laughs> in an apartheid gimmick? Like, <laughs> I, can't. I mean, in 1986 too right like so that's let me look this up while you you can keep talking i'm gonna look this up when i'm trying to look up when was the um you know like artists against apartheid and sort of the uh you know the kind of the big move i think um, it's around this time maybe yeah. maybe a little later but i mean i think it's probably starting around this point 1985 i love one that they use the name de beers so the famous diamonds the yeah. south african diamond company but i think you got to know your crowd here this is 1986 minnesota i don't think they're very (laughs) concerned about apartheid uh i'm sure they're like oh those poor people down there in south africa it's so sad you know yeah but you know they're they have their soda pop and they're they're good to go i don't understand i i don't know how you would expect this guy to get heat in a crowd like this yeah the crowd doesn't care. They're happy to see Wahoo McDaniel just because Wahoo McDaniel is a name and he's been around forever and he kicks ass. He's a tough guy. Uh, Colonel De Beers, no one gives a shit about him. <laughs> like, no one gives a shit about apartheid in Minnesota. No. You know, so it's... Uh, There's like two people and they're they're just not very popular with their neighbors. No. <laughs> Colonel De Beers is Edward Wiskowski. <laughs> From Missouri, he actually wrestled under the Colonel De Beers name from '85 to '90. So, '85 was when the you know Artist Against Apartheid started. That's when you know people really started to uh, kind of pay attention. I'm not in Minnesota, probably, but um, although who who the fuck knows? I don't know. Maybe maybe Minnesota was the the center of. He's sitting down on like vacation in the Ozarks and going watching the news and going, you know what? This apartheid, this Nelson Mandela shit. Now that's a gimmick. Now that's a fucking gimmick. Maybe we could, maybe we could get maybe we could get somebody to to uh, do a Desmond Tutu gimmick, and they could face off at Wrestle Rock '87 and solve solve apartheid once and for all. 
Just like how Hulk Hogan and Sergeant Slaughter ended the Gulf War. That's right. Colonel De Beers and I don't know who you could get. I don't know. Oh, he could have faced Kamala. Why is he not fighting Kamala in this match? Brilliant. You know, and end it right there. Make Kamala the face. Boom. You gotta you gotta win. You gotta you got you've solved apartheid and racial injustice across the world would go away. Yeah. All in uh, you know, eight minutes in Minnesota. Um, actually this one goes five minutes. This is an interesting finish because this goes back to a rule that a lot of people don't remember from, you know, NWA and AWA. Uh Wahoo gets gets disqualified for throwing the colonel over the top rope, which was um you know that would that would get you DQ'd back in those uh, promotions. Yeah, every everybody but WWF pretty much had the you can't intentionally throw your opponent over the top rope rule unless it's a battle royal. And it's pretty funny too. Wahoo grabs him like by the ear, like he's a bad child, and throws him <laughs> over the top rope. Should have grabbed just, him by that mustache. Yeah, I mean, this match felt like you could have seen this in the bar the night before. You know. In downtown St. Paul, you could have ran into these two guys drinking too much and beating the shit out of each other there for real. And McDaniel does his weird little war dance. He's just like, but he's, it just looks like a fat man skipping. <laughs> but they call it, oh, he's got his war dance going. Like, okay. Well, I guess that's what I'm going to call it when I skip. I yeah. <laughs> You know, so Wahoo gets DQ'd, but then they they let him beat up the colonel outside of the ring afterwards a little bit, run him into the post a couple times, so that, you know, the crowd gets to feel good about that. After this match, we get maybe the worst ever ringside promo I've ever seen. There's um, there's a guy in an Elvis jumpsuit who turns out to be Buck Zernhoff, who's in the next match, but I you don't know that at the time. I mean, maybe you do if you're a real close follower of AWA. Um, and so right before, right before his interview he has a boombox that he turns on so it's blasting music and then he puts it on his shoulder um so the the announcer is holding the mic to his face to try to get his um you know his answers but the boombox is like right there and it's blasting whatever the hell it's blasting because you can't hear it because it turns everything into like overloaded radio fuzz and then he's just screaming and hollering over the background that he just created by by turning the radio on on a goddamn mic like it's the dumbest thing i've ever seen it's like i don't know why i can't be picked up on this microphone when i'm doing my promos and i got this music here in my boombox i don't know what's happening <laughs> it's very it's very confusing but then, like, the production, too, is terrible. So, like, the camera isn't actually on him f- for most of his promo. The camera, it's the distant hard cam that they're using for all the matches. And so, like, he's just, like, a spot, like, holding a boombox with his back to the camera. The boombox is playing country music. I was is able that to what decipher was? that. I couldn't, so I couldn't tell what the hell it was. Rock and roll Buck Zumhoff is playing country music <laughs> on his boombox. And cutting a promo. And I mean, this this does mirror some of the other things that are happening with this event, as it's called Wrestle Rock 86. But the musical act that ends the show after the tag team, after the last match, which we don't get to see the concert, is Waylon Jennings. So he's not rock and roll. Talk about knowing your audience. Like, what the hell's going on? Why he could have just called it country rock, or like, I guess, I mean, that's kind of this is kind of like the thing that like the NWA Jim Crockett Promotions was doing with Great American Bash was like 
a tour of the country with wrestling and country music. Uh, so I don't know if that's what they're going for here, but they called it Wrestle Rock because the WWF is having big success with the the rock and wrestling connection. But you got Waylon Jennings, so it, it it's it's a big fucking mess. I don't <laughs> like. I don't understand what's happening. Zoomhoff is trying to give this promo. He's he can't he can't talk over his own boombox that he turned on and it's like this big like hip hop style uh, 80s boombox yeah too. it's it's glorious like if you had one you could sell it for several grand on eBay right now it it was running on 12d batteries like the thing it probably is weighed 45 pounds yeah yeah it's straight out of do the right thing um it's 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 something to behold um. <laughs> And I will also just say I'm really kind of bummed that we missed the Waylon Jennings concert. I mean, I get why it's not on here. You know, that would be a whole different set of rights for uh, NBC and the Peacock to uh, negotiate. But I'm betting uh, they didn't even film it. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, right. there's four hours of wrestling <laughs> before you get to this to to the concert even. So and I you can see them tape. setting up the stage in the background, too, <laughs> on occasion. So what I a like- nightmare. I like to imagine uh, old Whalen sitting backstage, like rolling a fat one, watching this show and having a great time. And also wondering what the hell did he disagree to? <laughs> what What is with these people? So next up on the card, but not on the program is Buddy Rose and Doug Summers versus the Midnight Rockers, which is a baby Shawn Michaels. And here it's actually spelled S-E-A-N, Shawn, um, and Marty Jannetty. Um, so actually, on the first pass through, I thought maybe I missed this match. I thought maybe I went to the bathroom or something, and then I went back and rewatched it. And nope, it's not there. So we, we poked around a little bit. It is on the interwebs uh, somewhere. You can find it on YouTube if you're persistent. I don't know. I'm kind of bummed. Yeah, I was kind of sad that it wasn't there, but also I forgot that it wasn't there until you reminded me, and I went back and looked at the Wikipedia page for this event. And was like, oh yeah, there was supposed to be a Shawn Michaels match, and it wasn't there. So, uh, oh well. <laughs> oh well. Um, yeah, I mean, so according to several sources that I found that uh, it was removed when the WWE Network uploaded the video of this footage of this event to the network in 19 in 2016 but apparently it can be seen in one of the Shawn michaels documentaries that are that are floating around on the on the cock and i did find the match on youtube i did not watch it because i had better things to do with my life than (laughs) it's 12 minutes long um So, uh, and Playboy Buddy Rose and Pretty Boy Doug Summers were a pretty well-established tag team. Their manager was actually um, Sherry Martel, uh, but she is not listed as the manager for this particular match. So I'm not sure if she's there or not. She's she's here later in the show, um, but she's not, I don't think, at that particular tag team. Next up, <laughs> so Buck, the boombox slash Elvis jumpsuit slash indiscriminate yelling guy is back. Buck Zomhoff. Uh, he is here to face Tiger Mask, who is, of course, a very famous Japanese wrestler. Um, you guys may have heard of his matches against, you know, the Dynamite Kid as was kind of uh, one that the the wrestling tape collectors used to point to and um, and long for, you know, try to find. Um, he is out of place in this event so badly, so badly. Yeah. So first of all, Buck Zumhoff looks like. Ricky Bobby's dad, um, 
not Gary Cole, the guy who was cast as Ricky Bobby's dad in Talladega Nights, but what I would imagine Ricky Bobby's dad to actually look like. Yeah, he's wiry. He's very pale. He's got a long hair and mustache and just, no, he's not. It's not a good look. <laughs> you know, he, he definitely walks around with cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve, right? Outside of work. Oh, for sure. And one behind his ear. Yeah. And he's probably chewing on one during the match, too. Um, you got to be ready, you know? Him and Tiger Mask have a decent match. Tiger Mask is looking great. Yeah. He's doing some amazing stuff. Zumhoff tries to demask him because he's an asshole. But you can also see that there's fans in the background just reading the program and laughing over the program. They're not even watching the damn match. So that's how appealing this match really is to watch. <laughs> yeah, there's a good bit of flipping around from Tiger Mask, which, of course, uh, yeah. you know, is his thing. Um, he does a bunch of leg moves on uh, on old Buck, and the announcer says after the one, he, so he does the same move twice in a row, and the announcer says, that burns, that pulls, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> that made me laugh. So I'm digging into the Wikipedia page on old Buck here. Um, he was the king of rock and roll. He is from Minneapolis, trained by Vern Gagne. Debuted of course, in everybody 70- here is trained by Vern Gagne. Yeah. Debuted in 72, but the, you know, the capsule description here actually reads Eugene Otto Buck Zomhoff, born March 21st, 1951, is a convicted sex offender and former American professional wrestler, better known as the king of rock and roll Buck Zomhoff. I'm not shocked at all. In 2014, Zumhoff was sentenced to 25 years in prison for criminal sexual conduct. So I am not going to read any more of that, but um, just know that this match exists. Yeah. Tiger, um, Tiger Mask was in Minnesota at one point. And Tiger Mask wins a match in Minnesota. Um, yeah. With a, a, an impressive somersault kick from the top rope. That was that was a, a spectacular move to finish this up, considering everything else that we've seen on the card so far. <laughs> right. Moving on. Who's next? Let's see. Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Oh, yeah. Um, Rotundo. Okay. So, all right. Let me read the thing here, and then we'll come back to that real quick. Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo versus the Fabulous Ones, which is Stan Lane and Steve Kern. So Mike Rotunda, which is his actual name, is going by Mike Rotundo here. And I kept hearing the announcer say it. I'm like, what? I'm like, why is he messing it up? Like, it's Rotunda, you dumbass. But uh, no, that was actually his his ring name at the time. So this is a good match. I enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, first of all, Wyndham is huge. I didn't realize that he was like six six, and he's like towering over everybody else. Um, he's a big boy. Yeah, those guys together were magical. Of course, they were the U.S. Express in uh, WWF. They were at the very first WrestleMania, um, and then of course Rotunda had a you know a long career in the WWF as uh, as IRS. Uh, we yeah. raved and raved about him versus Rick Steiner at the Chi Town Rumble. Um, also from 80, oh, that was 89, 89, right. Sorry. Um, so not too long after this. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, the announcer actually sums this one up greatly with, uh, this one will be a dandy. Um, (laughs) uh, and he's right. And it's really interesting. So there's some interesting things that are happening in the, uh, announcing of things, uh, 
Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo are actually introduced as the former WWF champions. And this will be a, a thing that happens later, too, as other people are announced about their titles that they've held elsewhere and not in AWA. And I think that's a really interesting thing, that they're really putting this show together and billing it as a super card from all wrestling that just is happening under the AWA umbrella, that the AWA has this power to pull wrestlers that are established elsewhere to perform for them. But this match, there's there's some really great classic ring work happening, some great mat work. Everything is a little tight, a little a little little uh, tough. There's some hitting. Uh, the referee is absolutely terrible. Uh, he is not keeping track of shit at all. Yeah, there's it's 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 a rock'em sock'em hitting them hard kind of match here, and they're they're grinding on each other. There's a vicious leg drop to the groin at one point that was. Ouch. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a beaut. And the finish is nuts. It's a, it's a crazy finish for this time period. Uh, so Barry Windham uh, jumps from the top rope. So this big motherfucker is up on top of the top rope, and he jumps down and catches Stan Lane with an elbow when he while he was trying to give Mike Rotundo a pile driver. So he's got him set for the pile driver, but he gets caught with this elbow from the top rope. And then uh, Barry pins Lane. But Barry's not the legal man in the match. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Mike was the legal legal man from that team, not Barry. But Barry pins him anyway. One, two, three, and that's the win. And it's just, a holy crap, these guys beat the shit out of each other kind of match. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. And then, well, I mean, the finish kind of goes back to the referee being for shit. <laughs> the the um the announcer says something early on about how Stan Stan Lane and and Steve Kern look so similar that um you know he could see them bamboozling the ref um you know doing the switch up uh so maybe he's just having a hard time keeping track of those two guys I don't know I mean there's but, three people with blonde hair oh it's so hard yeah <laughs> no this is a really solid match the more I see of Mike Rotundo slash Rotunda, uh, you know, the bigger of a the bigger fan I I become. So that guy is legit. Yeah, he can do everything. It's crazy. Like he can do the more professional wrestling stuff. He can do the amateur stuff, the shoot stuff. Um, yeah, I I I wish he was going to be at this thing so we could get his his uh, his autograph or something. Because man. He kills it. He, he's just, I haven't, we haven't seen a single thing to where we've been disappointed by his performance in it. No, even, and even some of the booking in WWF where, you know, the, the matches are kind of like for shit. Like it's the, the booking. That's the problem, you know, right. They, they have, they have him as IRS and they're not entirely sure what to do with him. Um, even in those matches, he still shows up and does his thing, you know, puts on a good show. Uh, yeah. I need, we need to start harassing him on Twitter a little bit more. Maybe we can get him to um, to respond to us or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much seems kind of disconnected from the wrestling world anymore, except for his two kids being wrestlers. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's living the high life, retired. You know, he's living off of that federal pension from working for the IRS for so many years. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, doing that's pretty great. sweet. He's got life and uh, health insurance for life. <laughs> 
Anyway, good match, guys. Moving on, let's see. We've got the Giant Baba versus Bulldog Bob Brown. This is my. This is actually my first look at Giant Baba. I mean, I, obviously, I know his name. He's one of like maybe two or three like you know gigantic stars um, from Japanese wrestling. Um, he's fairly old and slow here, um, and not terribly compelling, I have to say. No. Um, I'm pretty certain that Bulldog Bob Brown was just a guy they found in the crowd and like he's had <laughs> enough beer. Get in there and fight the big Japanese yeah. guy. Um and uh yeah, I this this is a weird match. I'm glad they didn't let it go very long. They're, they it seemed to be happening in slow motion. It's very slow. Very slow. Like all the moves, like even you know, Baba wins with a big boot to the face and even that just looked like I'm going to throw you into the ropes. <laughs> and now I lift my leg and boom. Yeah. So he, um, Giant Baba was born in 38. Uh, and so he is what going on almost He's 50, almost 50 in this match. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he had actually been wrestling since 1960. So he'd been in the business already 26 years at this point. Um, and he only lived to be 61, which is not terribly unusual for, for folks that size. I tend to no. not stick around too long. But um, yeah, I don't know. There's some interest from the crowd, mostly because of, you know, Giant Baba's freak size and because of, you know, I guess I guess the name. I assume they would have been familiar with him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he was he wasn't as famous as Andre, but people in the wrestling world knew of Andre and Giant Baba pretty commonly. Just because they were touring attractions. Yeah, and good old uh, Bulldog Bob Brown as a Canadian wrestler seems to have kind of been mostly a uh mostly uh, you know, one of those mid card job job guys. So um Yeah, he's probably an assassin at some point too. Probably yeah. Mr. Wrestling fifteen. Uh <laughs> you know, those guys. <laughs> Canadian Assassin three yeah russian assassin 22 you know mm. at some point he was in a stable i'm sure yeah 22 was good 19 through 21 not so much no um next up on the card is harley race versus rick martell um this is another uh, real highlight of the card for me anyway first of all i love seeing vintage harley race like that guy's like a legit badass and you could just see the you know years and years of experience and um and skill that he has rick martell is the face here so there's a big old pop for him the announcer calls him ricky throughout this entire thing <laughs> well once you become a face you add a y to your name you oh i didn't know that the diminutive name of your version of your name how long until will ferrell plays harley race in a movie it's gotta happen it's gotta happen it's gotta happen he's um so harley is 43 here um, so I think Will Ferrell is probably already older than that, right? He's probably in his fifties. Yeah. Um, or they got to find, or they got to dig up that little kid from Bad Santa, and have him play Harley <laughs> Race. They do have the same hairdo. They've got the uh, hair. So he's actually been in the ring for twenty five years at this point. He started Ooh. when he was eighteen. He, um, I read his. If you haven't, again, I I love reading about these old guys, like. They had just such freaking fascinating lives. So he was starting his his wrestling career. He was in for like a year or two, and then he had a really bad auto accident um, when they almost had to amputate his leg. And um, 
somebody at the time, I forget who it was, was the promoter or somebody basically said, you know, don't do that. And, um, and he ended up saving his leg and, and thus his career. If they, obviously if he had lost that leg he never would have had Harley race. Wow. That's intense. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. I get it's, it sounds similar to like the, the Ric Flair airplane crash story, you know, like, yeah, uh, that completely changed the path of his career. So like how I mentioned how they announced uh, Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo as the former WWF tag champions, they openly announced Harley Race as a former NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And uh, this is before the grand betrayal of Rick Martel to <laughs> Tito Santana. So we're okay. Yeah. It's okay to I mean, like him in this one. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, you can still see you can still see the seeds of of the deceit in his soul. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, there's there's something that really funny that kind of happens between the announcing and the crowd in in this match as well. So they're both uh, engaged in wrist locks, kind of like a test of strength wrist lock kind of thing. And the announcer says this match will be violent, and then almost instantly there is a very loud boring that comes <laughs> ringing in from the crowd. <laughs> Timing. <laughs> Yeah, there's some really good announcing during this one. There's a um, Harley does a series of headbutts, and the announcer's like, "You can hear the skulls crashing together." I'm like, "No, you can't. Like, you you clearly can't hear that." Well, it's because he's sitting right next to the ring. Of course, he can hear it. Oh, maybe I don't know. And then they go from a suplex to like a drop down to a sleeper by Martel, and he says he's pinching off his. How's he say it? Carotoid. His carotoid. Carotoid. His carteroid arteries. It's so hard first to all, even say it wrong like that. First of all, there's no, there's not more than one. There's only one. Um, the carteroid ar- arteries. <laughs> I he's, think he means carotid. Carot- he's the right. <laughs> he's the poor man's gorilla monsoon. Like he's <laughs> he's trying to do the uh, the technical terms for things and just doesn't know. Yeah, in his in his servial dervial muscles in his back. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I love. Uh, I don't my know. Carteroid arteries are kind of sore right now. Should, should yeah. get them fixed. Mine too. <laughs> Mostly from listening to this fucking guy. Oh my god, he's so bad. Um, I like. Uh, I love watching Harley Race work. He's like he's really slow. He's really deliberate, and he's very convincing. And he's always sort of in control of what's happening. Um, I also like that he's got those old school tattoos like your grandpa had from being in the Navy. Um, yeah, he totally gave them to himself. He's like, yeah. just like heated up a ballpoint pen and just stabbed himself repeatedly. And now he's got a tattoo. So they're at this for a little while. And the announcer mentions the 20 minute time limit. I'm like, Oh, I know how this is going to end, but that's not what actually happens. They, um, they get into a bit of a slug fest. They take it outside of the ring for a little bit. Uh, Harley race runs Martell into the, post and then both guys end up getting counted out which is a very wwf uh ending so yeah but it happens like what 10 minutes in instead of like 30 seconds so yeah take it but like it's interesting that for the most part of this match most of it is just one of them going for a move and the other one and and missing it so it's just over and over again Goes for a suplex, doesn't get it. Goes for a clothesline, misses and falls down. Goes for a drop kick, misses, goes down. It's just over and over and over again of this like missing moves. And then suddenly it's a double disqualification outside of the ring. It's almost like you guys aren't very good at wrestling. I, I know. It's weird. It was like 
And like they're hyping up this match as being a dream match too in the commentary. And so like just like most other dream matches, it ends in disappointment. So anyway, so they um after the double DQ, they it's sort of pandemonium. They can't break these two guys up. They're they're slugging it out. Harley Race gets dropped onto the concrete, which is just covered by like a piece of canvas that has like a really ugly stain on it. it looks like somebody dropped their hot dog or something. Um, yeah, it's just like a used blanket or something. Like uh, it's kind of gross looking. I don't know. There's the not hell. a lot of protection around this ring as it is, and that's even worse. Like I think I would have rather just hit the concrete than whatever stain was on that on that tarp <laughs> yeah there's lots of booze from the crowd too who wanted a winner for this one so. yeah next up is the 10 woman battle royal so i'll read off the names here sherry martell whom you'd recognize luna vachon who you also would recognize and then joyce grable cat larue rose divine taylor thomas Despina montegas misty blue sims debbie combs and candy divine um, the first thing I note about this one is that all the women just walk down to the ring together. <laughs> so I want the WWE to watch this and take a note for all future battle Royals slash triple threat matches slash 10 people tag matches. Every fucking person doesn't need their own introduction. You just, just introduce everybody at once and let them just come on down. Let's, let's cut some runtime off of this shit. Yeah. I mean, AEW too. We don't need all three entrances of the Blackpool combat seriously seriously also also mox wild things a love song stop it get rid of that shit it's stupid come down the ramp like everybody else you're not ricky vaughn like no fucking idiot he's not even ricky martell no he's (laughs) (laughs) sorry god damn it uh no so you got the the women's battle royal here and even before the match has started luna vachon is outside screaming like a maniac um, what's that lady yelling about over there <laughs> what is she yelling about that's just what she does uh the announcing in this match is golden as as one would come to expect uh the announcer totally misses the first elimination and doesn't even know how many people are in the ring <laughs> and then he just says look at him go and then silence <laughs> he also frequently calls luna vachon leona vachon yeah so i, I think like too. someone is piping the names into his headset or someone didn't write it up right or he saw the name luna and was like that can't be right Luna's not a woman's name it must be leona so leona vachon leona vachon leona vachon and that's not her name it's luna I actually had to look it up because I thought, well, maybe she went by Leona at the time. No, no he's just no, wrong. He's just wrong she's, again. She's scary here. She's got these like purple veins drawn on her head. Yeah. Um, she's she's legit. Um, Sherry gets the most heat for her introduction. The fans are not into her at all. She's. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's Sherry. She's awesome. She's great. She's so great all the time. Uh, there's also a former member of the Minnesota Vikings here to keep the order ringside because um, one ref obviously can't keep all these women in line. So let's get a, a football player there. It's one of those finishes where one person thinks they've won, but somebody else is playing possum and comes in yeah. to get the win. So in this case, Joyce Grable thinks she's won, but Sherry's playing possum, comes in, tosses her out, gets the win, gets a check for $50,000. Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, who she was managing as a tag team, come down to help her celebrate. And the announcer says, congratulations, you deserve it. She's like, I could have told you that anyway. In like the <laughs> worst freaking accent yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Yes. 
Uh, it is super grating. Yeah. Uh, Candy Divine takes a really rough bump going over the top rope for her elimination. Yeah. She like it like hit the rope, bounced over, and then like straight onto her back onto the floor. It's pretty vicious looking. This was actually a pretty good battle royal. And I, and it's made even better because Sherry won and Sherry, Sherry is everything. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Her accent is something else. It's, she's from uh, Louisiana. So I assume that's what that was all about. Or she's just angry all the time. Yeah. Which is also, maybe, yeah. Maybe a little bit of both. So, Sergeant Slaughter is facing off against Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Kamala has Skandor Akbar in his corner as his uh, manager. So get ready for some racism from the announcers because, you know, Kamala is here. This is a little unusual when we've got Sergeant Slaughter playing face. Uh, so if you check out our, double, uh, our WrestleMania 7 episode, there's we've got some extensive discussion about how Slaughter's primary role was a heel in both the NWA and his WWF days. Uh, but I think the giveaway here is that Slaughter has the G.I. Joe logo for the Hasbro cartoon slash toy commercial uh, running down his pants leg. So this is right after he walked away from WWF because they were going to make Hogan the primary face and not him. So. Yeah, there's there's some improvement to the production value. Not much, but just a little bit. The camera work gets a little bit better from here on out. And now they have a color commentator working with the main announcer. And so I feel like maybe this is, if they were going to like televise this thing, this is where it was going to start. And that the other matches were like dark matches for something. But they didn't televise this either. So I'm not exactly <laughs> sure why it suddenly changes here, but it does. Fascinating. Yeah, it, it does. It's it's uh, noticeable when you're watching it. Um, and this is, I mean, this is a decent match, actually. I was I'm really yeah. impressed with Kamala. Like, that dude yeah. moves around quite a bit. They, um, bill, they bill him as like, what do they say? 300? They say that he weighs 465 pounds, and there's no yeah. way in hell he weighs that yeah, much. No, he's not. He's large, but he's not that yeah. big. He's actually like three... I want to say 350, uh, I would say, if, you know, just kind of eyeballing it. Yeah, probably. Um, There's a, so as Slaughter's coming to the ring, there's a fan that screams at him, he's going to beat your ass tonight. (laughs) God, this crowd is so good. Uh, Minnesota, um, man. Yeah. And like Slaughter's comes out in the full fatigues and helmet and he's giving out little American flags on the way to the ring. And then he gives some kids candy or something too when he, right before he gets in the ring it's it's wonderful the announcer refers to kamala as a as like a pet rhinoceros <laughs> nobody has a pet rhinoceros and kamala slaps his belly to quote signal he's ready to go into battle i mean i do the same thing so yeah at the it. buffet right we're like <laughs> time to slap the belly before we go into golden corral or slapping yeah. the belly getting the ready here i come shrimps get ready yeah uh, Kamala does some interesting stuff in this match that looked looked hella painful. Uh, so his punches, instead of like like punching like Slaughter in the face or in the stomach, he's punching Slaughter in the armpit. And at one point, he's he grabs Slaughter's uh, tit basically with his thumb in Slaughter's armpit, and like, and he grabs and 
cranks down on on slaughter's tit and like it just shuts slaughter down it just goes down and it's i've never seen that before and that looks really painful i don't want anybody to touch me like that like he's like giving (laughs) slaughter a mammogram like it's horrible yeah he's trying to get to those uh nerve clusters there under the arm it's a it's an ancient ugandan combat technique absolutely obviously You, you slap the belly you go for the armpit that's the way it works um, yeah, Kamala gets the heat on Slaughter here for a long, long time. Like yeah. actually, most of this match is Slaughter selling to Kamala, and he's he's actually selling really well. And and then a dude runs around the ring giving out little American flags, and then that's kind of what Slaughter you know, that that gets him his comeback. And he's like, oh, you know, there's tiny flags in the audience. I'm oh, um, I can feel the patriotism, feel it. I can feel <laughs> the nationalism flowing through my veins. I'm gonna slaughter up. He slaughters up. <laughs> And and he body slams Kamala, which was pretty impressive. But then Slaughter goes for his clotheslines, and he has the worst fucking looking clotheslines ever. And like he falls down with them too. So like he hits with the clothesline, and he falls down, and then the other person falls down, and it just makes it all look so fake and so bad. It's just terrible. Yeah, those are not good. He does do a right before the body slam. He does a really pretty impressive like standing drop kick. He's just like going yeah. from standing. That that was pretty good. Skandor Akbar gets involved and and you know there's the whole thing where they're holding holding slaughter and then Kamala tries to take a swing and ends up hitting the uh the manager the bell. Actually, they get a DQ here. Yeah. Um for the interference. And then Slaughter grabs Akbar's whip. Uh, yeah that's what i that's exactly what i wrote this is what my notes say it says hmm and he kind of chases kamala around with a with a whip which i yeah yeah so yeah white guy chasing an african with a whip right exactly Uh, i don't think we need to really analyze that any further um and then i just put down a note that uh, slaughter's gonna go beat up some more foreigners (laughs) <laughs> even even colonel de beers is like hmm yeah i don't know about this Colonel de beers is even uncomfortable with this moment um or he's jealous one or the other yeah and then after the match <laughs> slaughter goes ringside gives out a few more flags and gets three kids to recite the pledge of allegiance with him <laughs> yeah that's so damn weird like, what <laughs> sergeant slaughter is so fascinating to me like he's I mean, I don't know, like, you know, he's a big dude, and obviously the gimmick was very popular. People were really into it. You know, I see his ring work, though. I'm like, eh, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's all about the, the personality and the gimmick, you know? Like, yeah. the same deal with Hulk Hogan. Like, it's not like Hulk Hogan impresses us in the ring. But yeah, God, true. he's charismatic as hell, and you can't help but, like, to to get wrapped up in the Hulkamania. And same deal with Slaughter. He had a great approach that made people hate him and even then be a little bit of a face too once in a while. But most of the time it was like, listen here, maggots. Like, oh yeah, call me a maggot. I love it. I like it. Like, <laughs> you call me call me a pucamaniac again, please. Thank you, sir. May I have another kind of thing? I don't... Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's just it. And plus he's got that, like, he's got that fucking asshole look to him. You know, he really does. Yeah, he's got that that defined chin, the Jay Leno chin, just like protruding, getting up in there, and somehow he can tuck his lower lip up really high so he can make it stick out even further. And I don't know, just 
he looks the part. That's I think that's really it. Yeah, it's a really good match between like his fi- or yeah, a good fit between his physical look and the and the gimmick itself. So and and I mean he really you know he went for it right like he didn't he didn't half ass it he didn't wink at it like you know he's still again, going for it <laughs> he's still going for it again. Go back to our episode on WrestleMania seven if you're into Sergeant Slaughter he's in the main event there. Um, Rich did a lot of research for that one about his history and um, it's worth a worth a listen. So next up is the AWA World Tag Team Championship. So this was one of the matches that really, you know, made us, uh, you know, kind of sit up and take notice in terms of like seeking out this event. It's on one side, we've got Scott Hall, a, a super young Scott Hall, and Kurt Hennig, also a super young Kurt Hennig, um, versus the Long Riders, which is Scott and Bill Irwin, um, who look like absolute trash. Like <laughs> they're wearing, their their whole uh. thing is they're, They've got a biker gimmick, um, but they look like they could actually be bikers. They look like they just, you know, came off of 50 miles of bad road. They look like they maybe cook meth in a trailer somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you take that Barry Zumhoff rock and roll guy, (laughs) put 75 pounds on him, make two of them. You got the long riders, Bill and Scott Irwin. So Scott Hall wins a trophy before this match. So yeah, he's what was a, that for? he was awarded like a fan favorite from oh, Pro right. Wrestling Digest, something like that. Some wrestling magazine awards him like fan favorite, and they give him the trophy right before the match. It's like, oh, by the way, Scott Hall, you won this. Here's a trophy, and now he's stuck in the ring prepping for this match, holding a trophy. Like they didn't even like it seemed like they didn't even tell him that that's when they were going to give it to him. So funny. <laughs> so like he's just like. Oh, thanks. And like, you can literally hear someone like, can someone take that from him? And like, so he can hand it off and start the match. That's a bad, bad planning there, guys. Not no, great. So, so unceremonious and like just continuing the weirdness of this show. He, uh, they look, he and, and Kurt look like a million bucks. So they're, oh my God. Yeah. They're ripped. They're in shape. They're ready to go. I guess I didn't realize how huge scott hall was probably because like later on he hung out with kevin nash all the time right so it's like yeah um but he's gigantic i mean again he like barry Wyndham in that earlier match he kind of towers over everybody in this one he Um, is a stud and a half muffin in this match like and at this point like and he's over with that crowd too oh yeah i i don't know like this this made me double down on that statement that i made during the king of the ring episode of like how he could have been the next Hulk Hogan. Why didn't you throw Scott Hall all the money? Just give him (laughs) all of it. He's over with the crowd. He's got a great look. He, he works well. Like he can talk. I know there's like personal things with him and stuff, but I bet you if you would have given him enough damn money and made him the next Hulk Hogan, things could have turned out better for him. Maybe. (laughs) Hell, I, hell, I'd even kick my own drinking habit if you paid me enough money. Right. So, I mean, he's and he's so impressive looking in this match. He throws great punches. He works off the ropes well. He grapples well. He like sells well. I, it breaks my heart. That's all. That yeah, it breaks my heart. He's him and Kurt both here are just fantastic, fan fucking tastic. Kurt's a little small, so I I get it with him not getting the super love. But Scott Hall here, he's he's everything. He's the total package here, and yeah, 
Yeah. And of course, Kurt came out of the AWA. You know, he was, uh, his dad was a staple up there. Well, who we'll see later in this episode. Uh, and that was sort of where he got his big start and big push and where they really sort of recognized his talent. Um, yeah, this is, this is a pretty solid match. There's some talk at the beginning about how these, uh, the long riders have, you know, loaded motorcycle boots. They have I don't know. They have steel toes, or that's where they keep their meth. I don't know. I don't know what the deal with that is, but um, about whether they'll be they'll be able to use those boots to get a dirty finish. So that's kind of the sort of the gimmick, and you kind of telegraphs the ending a little bit. Um, but Kurt hits a uh, flying drop kick off the top oh. rope. <laughs> that's absolutely amazing. So beautiful. It's a work of art. So like how I talked about Owen with his amazing elbow in the King of the Ring. Kurt's drop kick is is chef's gifts it's beautiful it's it's perfection like you can't you it can't get any better than that you could just show me a 15 minute video highlight reel of him just landing that drop kick over and over and over again and it would be a great day (laughs) yeah um good match great talent involved i mean on one side anyway yeah uh any other moves you wanted to point out there? Kurt also throws amazing punches in this match. Like just everything. And the announcers even won't stop gushing over how attractive Scott Hall is during this match either. They just keep they just keep saying, Boy, that Scott Hall is handsome. Boy, he's a good looking guy. He can do it all. Like like multiple times. They just they just go into Scott Hall and his look and how great he is. And I agree with them. <laughs> well good you heard it here first folks rich agrees scott hall's a handsome dude he's like magnum pi and magnum ta had a baby and it's Scott <laughs> Hall. yeah handsome is handsome i don't know there's not much you can do about it yeah so the next one is a uh is a boxing well i'll just say quote unquote boxing match um uh, versus with scott ledoux uh, versus larry zabisco with larry the axe hennig as a special guest referee, and of course, Larry being Kurt's dad. So Scott is a Canadian boxer. Uh, you may remember him as a commentator on ESPN. I know I do. Um, he actually had a, a long and legit uh, boxing career. He fought some of the greats in the 70s, um, including Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, Ron Lyle. Um, he fought Leon Spinks. He fought, I think he fought George Foreman at one point. Yeah, he fought George Foreman. He got TKO'd in three for that one. Uh, that wasn't so good. But he, you know, again, legit boxer um, again. And he's here with, of course, Larry Zabisco, who was, um, who was a big deal in wrestling. Um, so, the, yeah, I don't know. This, so thing, this, is, this thing is fucking insane. It's weird, yeah. It's all over the place. So first, it starts with a promo from Scott Ledoux, who who delivers the great line of, I'm going to drop him like a sack of Idaho potatoes. (laughs) And then the entourages come to the ring, and Larry Zabisco has a goddamn ninja. He does have a ninja. There's a ninja with him. And I'm talking like he's in the full black. He's got the, like the split toed shoes, whatever. I can't remember what they're called. He's got like, I think he's even got a sword with him. Like, he's got a Ken, he's got a kendo stick. Yeah. He's, okay. He's got a kendo stick. So he's a fucking ninja in training. <laughs> and then like Larry Zabisco is in a very short satin finish purple gi. 
what the I don't understand what the hell's going on. And then it just gets weirder. Yeah. Like they're they're boxing, but they're also wrestling. They're like they're able to grapple and go down to the mat and and I but like and at one point Zabisco gets tagged with a punch and goes down like a like a rock and like like a sack of Idaho potatoes. Yeah, he goes down like a sack of Idaho potatoes, but but the ref doesn't count. I yeah. don't understand what's happening. So and, yeah, I thought that shot actually looked legit. Like I think he like actually punched him there. Like yeah, if if that was a working punch, I would be very surprised. But I think he, I think he freaking clocked him. Yeah. So there's like there's like weird shoot and weird wrestling happening. Yeah. I, ah. So I I misspoke at the top. I'm sorry. I said Scott was Canadian. He's actually a local Minnesota boy. There. Um, he looks like Harley Race's younger brother. Uh, um, yeah. So it's so they're wearing those like martial arts gloves. You know those MMA gloves, which you know we didn't have MMA in 1986. And they call so them gloves. Yeah, this, kung I believe karate gloves. I don't know. The people in Minnesota have, have no idea what to make of any of this. I don't know what to make of this thing. <laughs> it was entertaining as hell. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, it's so as I was watching it, I was sort of expecting a boxing match and then they start wrestling. I'm like, okay, is somebody going to get disqualified? You know, like a la um, what Mr. T and Roddy Piper from the first WrestleMania, right? Where it's like, it's a boxing match, right. but then Piper goes to a wrestling move and gets DQ'd. Well, but it actually, WrestleMania, but yes. Oh, I'm sorry. But it actually uh, is more of a, like a boxer versus wrestler match. So both of them are able to do their own thing you know whatever they want to do right before it happened i actually put down that this has to end in a disqualification because i don't know what the rules are and nobody seems to know what the rules are he's not counting pins he's not counting knockdowns i who's how is this going to end how can it end with any other way but like okay uh larry uh hennig who looks like the meanest son of a bitch you ever seen in your life is this going to call it over? Like that's, that's the only way this ends. Uh, Cause these guys like there's rounds in this thing too. Right. So they have a two minute round and then a one minute break and then a two minute round and then another minute break. And so I think what it ends in the, at the start of the fourth round, it ends with uh, a disqualification. I think it ends in five. Oh, it might've been the fifth five. round, but like, and they actually go back and forth and it's a very entertaining thing. But at the same time, you don't know what's happening. You don't know the <laughs> rules. They don't explain it at all. It's European rules. That's all you that's all you get. So like, okay, so he punched him, he went down. Okay, so you're not counting that as a knock like you're not counting to 10 on that. Okay, so he has him down. You're not counting to 3 on the pen. I how how is anybody going to win this thing? I don't understand. But I was entertained and there was a ninja. So <laughs> there was a ninja. Um, Scott, Scott so the ninja is Zabisco's corner man, right? Like, I mean, that's that's who I want in my corner. Um, if I've met ever in a boxing match, it's a ninja. Scott Ledoux's corner man is another former Minnesota Viking. Yeah, I agree. Like, so I was watching it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We're gonna have a boxing match. You know, this never really goes well. Usually, have a boxing at a wrestling event, but um, and then Zabisco starts like kicking. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I guess I guess we're not actually boxing. Um, guess kicking's legal now. Okay. <laughs> Ledoux loses his glove at one point, but he's still like ready to go. Like he's still ready to just go punch and break all of his knuckles he's just and then there's a body slam and ledoux sort of defends some amateur wrestling moves so he may have had some actual wrestling training i'm not sure 
And then again, he lands that like actual, I'm pretty sure it's an actual punch uh, to Zabisco's jaw. Like he, he cleans his clock. And Zabisco then Zabisco sells it like a champ too. So yeah. And then Zabisco eventually gets disqualified after ramming Ledoux into the ring post. Cause that's too far. Um, <laughs> we don't know what the rules are, but we know that you can't ram a guy into the ring post. Okay. Like we need order here, people. I'm pretty sure that just like Larry Hennig looked at the clocks like, all right, it's been 10 minutes. That's it. Wrap it up. <laughs> I'm going to make that illegal. <laughs> I think really the only appropriate ending to this match would have been for uh, Larry the Axe Hennig to like kill and eat both men in the center of the ring. Because you're right. He looks like a freaking absolute beast. He looks like if you took uh, Kurt Hennig, added 50 pounds of muscle and a lumberjack beard, you would have Larry the Axe. I, uh, I actually kind of want to go back and watch some Larry the Axe matches now because he looks like yeah. he might want to kill somebody. Well, him and Kurt tag teamed for a while too, so. Sweet Jesus. Yeah. All righty. So. Um, All right. Anything- I'm, whew, I'm sweating after this one. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing. We're very bamboozled. There was no. Uh, yeah, no discussion of any rules, uh, no like explanation of what was going on. Um, I'm not sure what the backstory was that led to this particular match. There's nothing. So, no. But anyway, the crowd really hates Larry Zabisco, by the way. They're, they're booing the shit out of no, him. I mean, he's an asshole, and he's a great heel. He's so good. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. I want to watch more of his stuff. Yeah. Especially Next if he is... brings a ninja with him. <laughs> <laughs> New rule. Everybody gets a ninja. <laughs> Next up is Nick Bockwinkle versus Stan Hansen. Uh, this is the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and of course, if you you know pay attention at, at, at all to AWA um, history, you know that that Nick Bockwinkle was a huge deal. He was um, he's there, Ric Flair. Yeah, he was there for decades. Um, he's fifty two or fifty three here. He's been wrestling for like thirty two years since he was about twenty. He looks absolutely incredible for fifty fifty two or whatever. Yeah, like, he's reminiscent uh, of that uh, guy, um, Tim Storm, that was in NWA. That now, I oh think yeah, 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 yeah. He's nuts. Um, and Stan Hansen here is thirty seven, but he looks like ten pounds of shit in a five pound bag. He's like. <laughs> he looks awful. <laughs> like Bachwinkle is what fifteen years older than him, and he looks like he could, you know, wrap yeah. Stan Hansen up. So, and Hansen beats the shit out of the announcer for no apparent reason on the way to the <laughs> ring. He yeah. just stops and clocks the guy and pounds on him. <laughs> he's angry. I don't know why he's angry, but he's very angry. And uh, for some reason, Nick Bachwinkle is standing in the ring with a whip, and yeah, it's like I don't know. Cracking it and threatening Stan Hansen to keep him out of, the, but like, I, I, again, the show is just off the fucking rails. Like, what the hell's happening? Like, maybe they just bring uh, a whip to the ring and beat up the announcer and just fucking go with it. <laughs> so this is really funny. I was just, I just look at the the Wikipedia page for Stan Hansen. It says Hansen is known for his stiff wrestling style, which he attributes to his poor eyesight. <laughs> First of all, I don't believe that. <laughs> That's bullshit. Um, it's like it's like Cowboy Bob Orton's broken arm. Yeah, so I can't see. So I guess <laughs> he is also known for his gimmick as a loud, violent cowboy who wanted to fight everybody. I don't think that's which, a gimmick. That's not a gimmick. That's just that guy. This is him. You know. 
Yeah, I don't know. This is this is a fun match actually. He's sort of an old fashioned um, worker, you know. They, they both are, um, and they they both do a really great job. Nick Bockwinkle yeah. um, gets the win because Stan again tosses Nick up and over the top rope, which everybody knows is a rule. So, uh, but he still does it and gets DQ'd for it. Uh, this match looks like it's from the 1950s and should have been in black and white. They they are they're not really even wrestling. They are just fighting. Yeah. You can see them actually punching each other, especially with the body shots. And it's just two manly men fighting. Just like you can see like Bachwinkle like punching Stan in the ribs and like seeing his skin ripple from the impact, like like watching a real boxing match, like a real bare knuckles fight that's happening here. And I was like, these these guys are gonna be bruised. Like, holy shit. Like and they're moving fast and they're hitting hard and they're really punching. Like I this is the closest to just like a brawl that you're really gonna see in wrestling. Like this is this is a street when they call them like oh those Philly street fights or whatever and they're just using shit. This is a real street fight right here. <laughs> These guys are just punching each other constantly. And they're just not punching each other in the face because they can't ruin the moneymaker. You know? But right. They're just cracking each other in the gut and the ribs and and the chest and in the arms. It's just whew, they're gonna need they're gonna need some time to heal after this one. Yeah, I'm gonna dip into the old ice bath after that. Can you imagine being like 52 and having been doing this for like 32 years and like just taking that kind of no. beating? <laughs> 300. I can't do three, that now, and I'm 10 years younger than that. I can't. No, three nights, don't, 300 nights a year. Just please don't you know, hit me. Please yeah. just do whatever you want. Just don't hit me. Like, and don't grab, don't grab me by the tit either. No, no. <laughs> no tit grabbing and no punching. Damn it! These are the, the rules. Bring a ninja. Yeah. <laughs> the closest thing we've seen to this is maybe uh, some of those Chris Benoit matches where it looks like he's just in there to fight everybody, right? Yeah. Like he's he's yeah. not even wrestling. Um, yeah. I mean, this is this is like the the punching equivalent of Mike Rotunda versus Rick Steiner. Like, yes. They're just like punching the shit out of each other. You can see them just oh God. And they're like really winding up into them too. They're not yeah. they're not like any phony baloney soft punches. These they're fucking clocking each other. Um yeah, the announcers like- at one point say for some reason he says almost counts nowhere but at drive in movies. And then they all have a good chuckle. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that's like kind of a reference of like trying to hook up with your date yeah. at a drive-in movie maybe i but like again like this match should have been in the 50s and so should the commentary like i don't know <laughs> they're joking about getting to second base what at the, the drive-in. fuck's happening what the fuck is happening at this show <laughs> this is great um i another i would recommend that match like i yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, so it's far, there's been some. Match. Yeah, there's been some good stuff on this card. I I've been digging it. So the next up is a steel cage match. One of three steel cage matches to wrap up this show. Just in case you can't get enough uh, steel cages. Um, so this is Greg Gagne, who of course is the son of legendary, you know, AWA owner, promoter, all around dude, Vern Gagne. Um, so Greg and Jimmy Snuka, who was a last minute replacement for somebody they announce it somebody who was hurt um are going up against king kong brody who 
um, is, of course, Bruiser Brody uh, and the Barbarian, who is not the Barbarian from the WWF Barbarian and Warlord Powers of Pain, um, that kind of thing. He is actually, he went by some other names. Oh, he was the Berserker. Okay. Uh, it's all yeah. coming together. There we go. It's all coming together. We remember the uh, Berserker was in the the gimmick battle royal i think maybe wasn't he so the stipulation for this one is that if greg and jimmy win this match Vern quote gets the chic for 10 minutes in the cage <laughs> that's a little vague yeah. i'm not sure i'm not sure how i feel about that everything that i read was that like jimmy superfly snooker coming in kind of just like killed a lot of the heat on this match because really the the conflict was between uh, Blackwell and Brody. So they built in this Vern Gagne gets the Sheik in the cage thing afterwards. Yeah, this match is bloody as fuck. Three of the four participants get color. Yeah, and they... um. And it, basically, all the same somebody, way too. Yeah, basically anytime somebody rams, gets their head rammed into the cage, they come back bloody. Um, shoddy yeah. construction there in Minneapolis. I guess a rusty barbs on the fence or something yeah it's not, the, uh, not safe at all yeah the match really goes back and forth um but like snooka definitely doesn't look ready for this match he, he looks looks a little rough around the edges with everything that he's doing greg is so tiny compared to everybody else in this match it's hilarious it's like it's it looks like uh like king kong bundy andre the giant I don't know, like Big John Stud. Yeah, and Big John Stud are having a match with the one, two, three kid in this in this match. It's it's so it's so obvious how small Greg Ganya is. He does not have the body to be a wrestler, but he does a good job in this match. Everybody does a pretty decent job in this match. Brody lands a devastating pile driver on Greg Ganya. Um I was surprised that Greg Ganya could walk after it. <laughs> Brody is huge, huge. That dude is gigantic. Oh um, god, yeah. Him and the Barbarian both actually are just are so big, and maybe they look extra large, like you said, because they're in there with Greg, who's just like a normal sized dude. Like, I'm pretty sure he's smaller than me. I'm six foot three. He, he's probably, I don't know, if he's six feet, I'd be surprised. Um, but this was, yeah, this was solid. Actually, I didn't, uh, I didn't know what to expect like you said my, my primary complaint is that snooka is sort of the odd man out here um and he he does like a pretty weak like super fly move from the top rope but the crowd uh, goes yeah. nuts when he climbs up there yeah like, <laughs> they, they start flipping out as soon as he climbs the rope but then the he doesn't really deliver on it yeah so greg ganya is billed at six foot two and 210 pounds hmm. i don't know about that like, I guess he's got some weight in his heels or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, this this match is is chaos, and it continues to be chaos even after the, the roll-up pin at the end. Uh, they keep fighting and keep fighting, uh, and it kind of just segues. Uh, everybody's bleeding, and then segues into the next match. Like, yeah. It doesn't it just- stop. They fight out. They fight out into the crowd, and then the next next match just like starts. Like Vern Vern comes running up, and he shoves uh, Sheik Adnan Al Casey into the ring. Um, this is General Adnan from WrestleMania Seven, by the way, who's the uh, Iron Sheik's manager yeah. there. So if you're, he looked like Al Pacino in this in, the, <laughs> in this in this 
time. If you're playing the home game or if you're playing six degrees of uh, the Iron Sheik or whatever you're playing at home. So the Sheik gets color almost immediately, also from the cage. I'm telling you, it's that shoddy Minnesota construction. Unsafe at any speed. <laughs> the crowd is flipping out for Vern. Um, cause again, he's, you know, he's a local hero, right? He's, he right. run this whole promotion. This is just basically an ass kicking. The sheet gets a little bit of offense in, and that's when the announcers say that, you know, he's got, he's got amateur credit of being on the Iraqi wrestling team or something like that. And, but yeah, it's just basically Vern kicking the sheik's ass for like four minutes. And then he yeah. does a small package win. <laughs> yeah. And it's over. And yeah. afterwards, he announced. Uh, afterwards, Vern announces that this is going to be his last match, um, which I didn't look up to see if that was actually true or not. Vern Gagne's last match was on June 29th, 1986, where he was in a six-man tag with his son Greg and Jimmy Superfly Snuka, and they defeated Boris Zukov, John Nord, and Sheik Adnan Alkesi. Alrighty, so then I guess another third, a third steel cage match. Um, I'm not gonna, I don't know. So it's at the end of the show, but I wouldn't call it the, um, the main event because that, there's no title on the line. We already had the tag team match. We already had the world heavyweight championship match. Um, yeah, but it's the goddamn Road Warriors. <laughs> it's the goddamn Road Warriors. So it's the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering versus Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin. The Road Warriors Legion of Doom, as they're constantly referred to in this yeah. match. Yeah, this is just a pretty much like they paid the Road Warriors to come in and beat the shit out of Michael Hayes and <laughs> and Garvin. Just, just like there's this Hayes and Garvin have no fucking chance in this match. No, they could have just stayed home and the and the result would have been the same. And they also probably would have spared, spared themselves some bruises. Yeah, I mean, Hayes gets color from the cage. <laughs> Hawk no sells a goddamn pile driver. He takes a pile driver from Michael Hayes and then just gets up. Yeah, he bounces right up. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, and then they just beat the sh- living shit out of Michael Hayes. And uh, Animal eventually comes in and military presses Garvin and does six reps and then it's slams crazy. him down, pins him, and then. Uh, something weird, and then Hayes is in the ring too. But Hayes decides not to break the pin. <laughs> like he can I mean, see him. Can you look. blame him? He sees it happening and just backs away from it. So, yeah, this match is very quick. Uh, wham, bam, and like the moment, like the moment the uh, Garvin is in the pin, you can see people in the crowd getting up to leave. And I don't know why they're leaving because Waylon Jennings is supposed to come on now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess four hours of wrestling, and then you're going to sit through a Waylon Jennings set. Like Jesus, that's a long day. Yeah, more there's more Road Warriors fans than there are uh, Waylon Jennings fans in this crowd, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I you know having just sat through nearly four hours of wrestling the other night, I guess I can relate. So no matter how yeah. good the card is, yeah, this this one the match is over before I realized that it uh, that it even started. Honestly, yeah. I was like, oh okay, Road Warriors, I'm ready, let's go. Oh, and I. I don't know. I like looked away for a second or I don't know what I did. I got the mail or something. And I'm like, oh, it's oh, and it's over. Vern could have saved some money with booking jobbers for this match instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then the show just 
ends. Like yeah, that's it. Yeah, like there's no no credits, no lame goodbye. Music Thank at you, the everybody. End. Yeah, nothing. Just eh, we're done. So. Yeah, it just fades out black. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I just holy shit, this show, this show, and like it's weird too because there's some weird thing that happens with the camera that like it definitely gives you the feeling that this match may have happened earlier in the night and was edited to be moved to the end. But there's a clock, and I got to go answer the door. So there's belief that, like, the Road Warriors match here was uh, happened earlier in the night and then was edited to be at the end of the video because it's the Road Warriors. But there is uh, a clock that you can see from time to time during the event, and the latest time on that clock is shown during this match. So this match probably in all likelihood did happen at the very end of the night, which is an interesting call. <laughs> yeah. Another weird, uh, just another weird thing from a fairly weird show. Yeah. So that gets us to the end of the card. Are you ready to do uh, best and worst matches? Yeah, let's do it. Um, did you have a favorite match from this one? You know, I think I'm going to have to go with, I mean, it's, it's a close call between three of them. The, the, the Nick Bockwinkle versus Stan Hansen, the uh, Scott Hall, Kurt Henning versus long riders and the, um, little person, uh, tag match. And I think I'm going to have to go with Nick Bockwinkle versus Stan Hansen. Cause you just don't see something like that every day. Um, I mean, you don't see little person matches every day either, but you don't see two old timers of the old school, like the real old school wrestling, get in the ring and punch the shit out of each other for 10 minutes. <laughs> Slug it out. You don't see that every day. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to go with that. Plus, there's this weirdness with that match, too. Uh, Stan Hansen beating the crap out of the announcer on the way to the ring for no apparent reason. Nick Bockwinkle has a whip. Yeah, I think that's gonna that's gonna be my favorite match of this card. I mean, Stan Hansen has poor eyesight, as we learned, so he probably thought the announcer was a a threat. He, you know, it wasn't his fault. I um, I think I'm actually gonna pick Scott Ledoux versus Larry Zabisco as my favorite, just because, like, what the fuck? Seriously, like, what is that? Like, it's it's my favorite for um, several reasons. I really like the Idaho Potatoes promo. Um, Mr. Ledoux gives there's a ninja. Uh, I, if I had any, uh, criticisms is that it could have used more ninjas. Um, but one, you know, one ninja is better than zero ninjas. Um, I like looking at Larry, the ax and imagining him taking apart people with his bare hands. Cause I think it's probably something he just does for fun. Um, and I just like the general WTF ness of this whole affair um, everything about it is, yeah, like just like you don't see two old timers slugging it out, you don't see a match that makes you like wonder what you are actually watching and what is going on. What is reality? What is time and space? It, it raises a lot of questions. Yeah, so that match is a, is a that match is a beautiful spectacle, and that's something that we normally only see these real true spectacle matches. When it's like Macho Man and Sherry ringside, that's those are the ones that we normally see the spectacles, especially like the Macho Man versus Ric Flair match. Uh, 
that show is a total shit show spectacle of an uncalibered magnitude. You can't <laughs> you can't imagine the chaos that is happening in that match. And but this one comes that one does really come close. It it does because you don't know the rules of the match. You don't understand why they're fighting. You don't understand why there's a ninja. <laughs> you don't like you don't understand why the referee is bigger than both of the participants. Yeah. Uh, it's just a whole show in itself. And honestly, I would have argued that they should have made this the main event. They should have yeah. moved this to the end of the card. And that would have been a fantastic way to end the show. It is sui generis, as they say. It's without it's without a genre. So I, I, maybe, I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but that Greg Gagne uh, tag team cage match is actually billed as the main event. Um, you dug up the card or the uh, program while we were on a little break here, um, and it's billed as a main event, which is very, very, very strange. Did you have a worst match from this event? Uh, let's see. The worst match, it's probably the Tiger Mask versus Buck Zumhoff. I mean, uh, Buck Zumhoff is not a good competitor match for Tiger Mask. Uh, doesn't He's not good enough to like really let you see the things that Tiger Mask is capable of doing. Uh, so I think that's, that's where I'm going, uh, with my least favorite match. That's yeah. Cause pick. I mean, all the other matches kind of got me excited about something. I mean, great Bob, Bob versus bulldog, uh, Bob Brown is very close, but I think tiger mask versus buck Zumhoff is, is, is going to take it because it's more disappointing because I really wanted to see tiger mask do some stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Cause I saw when he, when Tiger Mask popped up, I'm like, oh man, this might be actually kind of interesting. Um, but that guy is just not good. And it turns out he's a dirt in real life. Um, that he was also a substitution. Like, again, you just found the program while you're sitting here. Um, and the program actually lists Buddy Lane as the competitor for Tiger Mask. I have no idea. It would have been better or worse. At the, at the very least, we wouldn't have had that, uh, awful promo with the, um, boom box and all that stuff. So, um, my, um, I guess I could agree with that one. The other one was my pick was for Giant Baba and Bulldog Bob Brown, just just because it's just really slow and really, um, there's just not a whole lot going on. But so overall, we don't do ratings for our not just WrestleMania's matches usually or events, uh, but maybe we could just do a simple: Would you recommend this show or would you not recommend this show? I would recommend this show. The production quality is terrible. Like you could almost like it. You could do uh, a mystery science theater three thousand with your friends with this with this show. Um, the only other suggestion I will ha- give you is that this show happened on four twenty. That's going to be uh, my suggestion for watching this show. <laughs> only if you're in a state where that sort of thing is legal and they have the appropriate documentation um i would also recommend it uh again the card is phenomenal i'd give the card if we were doing ratings i'd give the card a 4.5 out of 5 just for the, you know the personalities involved the performers involved the batshitness of it all um the execution and the production uh, is a much lower rating but uh overall especially again if you're into any of these guys uh if you're a scott hall fan you know you can't really pass up the opportunity to see him here um so young and in such amazing shape he's a stud and a half if you're <laughs> if you're into um legit violence you know you've got stan hansen uh and his poor eyesight 
bringing it. If you're into women's wrestling, you got a decent battle royal. If you're into the old school shooters, tough guys, you know, you got Harley Race and uh, good old uh, Ricky Martel going at it. And of course, we got Wyndham and Rotunda. Um, so overall, overall good stuff, I'd say. it's. I didn't regret the time I spent watching it. No, not at all. Every time you say Ricky Martel, it makes me giggle for some reason. And like you just and you got the Road Warriors beating the shit out of Michael Hayes as cherry on top. You know, I would. Yeah. So this is definitely a watch. (laughs) So while we were um, on a break, while you were dealing with some house stuff, I was was trying to see if I could come up with a with a rap here for the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Yo. We're Rich and Tim, and we're here to say we're going to do the Wrestle Rock Rumble today. So if you like good wrestling and your favorite bee is Bumble, you better check out the Wrestle Rock Rumble. Wrestle. Wrestle Rock. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Nice. That was hot. Thank you. I mean, honestly, that was better than Vern Gagne. (laughs) And that was better than Greg Gagne's. Um, It wasn't no, you're no Larry Zbysko, though. It's true. I'm dropping some bars, you know, for that, that, uh, I, I, I kind of like the, uh, you know, the reversing the bumblebee, you know, taking it apart, putting it back together. It's a, it's some next level shit. Yeah. Um, I could also have gone with, if you don't want to fumble or don't get it jumbled or I don't know what else rhymes with rumble. All right. Take it easy over there. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So transitioning just a little bit um as we do with every episode we like to just take a moment and pay tribute to the wrestlers and personalities we've seen who are no longer with us so the in memoriam for this episode the awa's wrestle rock from 86 uh, we have cowboy lang lord littlebrook little tokyo wahoo mcdaniel tiger mask mitsuharo misawa playboy buddy rose pretty boy doug summers Giant Baba, Bulldog Bob Brown, Harley Race, Sherry Martell, Luna Vachon, Candy Divine, James Kamala Harris, Skandor Akbar, Scott Hall, Kurt Hennig, Larry the Axe Hennig, Scott Irwin of the Long Riders, Scott Ledoux, Nick Bockwinkle, Jimmy Superfly Snuka. King Kong Brody, a.k.a. Bruiser Brody, Vern Gagne, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk, and even though we didn't see him, one of my favorites, Waylon Jennings. So, thanks again for joining us on this Not Just WrestleMania's edition of the Wrestle Rock from 1986. As always, you can find us on the web at alltherestlemanias.com. You can tweet at us on Twitter at, at WrestleManiaPod. You can send us your emails at alltherestlemanias at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for All the WrestleManias. We'll pop right up and you can interact with us to your heart's content. So, for now, I'm your co host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. We're saying thanks again and so long, everybody. Mm-hmm.